Hey, everybody. Hello. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, anybody who's new to the podcast, thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you are enjoying the podcast, tell somebody about it. That's the best way to help us out. Uh, follow us on social media. We are all also now posting video on YouTube, so subscribe to our YouTube as well. So, yeah. Um, our guest today is Nick Ginter. He is the host of the Degenerates Drinking Coffee podcast. He also has multiple social media pages under that umbrella uh, for Degenerates LLC. And, I mean, he's got Degenerates Going Dark, Degenerates Driving Cars, Degenerates Playing Games, Drinking Coffee, a bunch of Degenerates doing a bunch of... Degenerate shit. Degenerate shit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, he's... We got in touch with him and had a good conversation, so we hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, and don't be afraid to drop some dick pics in our DMs. Yeah, well, just go to like find Kevin's personal page. Yes, and drop him the dick pics, and then he'll share them with me. There you go. So yeah, we we do appreciate. Well, he appreciates it. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, well, let's get to the episode then. start incorporating that more into the podcast as soon as i kind of like i don't know again get a firmer understanding of it and then i kind of want to have the right setting as well yeah because uh, like i've got the equipment i've got tons of cool coffee shit but mm -hmm. i i want to i want to actually have the right video setting i do have a cinematographer that comes over and occasionally films me do stuff like i have a film coming out in, in like a week uh and it's over me doing the the uh siphon brew process and she came over and filmed that process, but you know, I'm not sitting over here every time I make a cup of coffee, you know, with a camera mm -hmm. on my head, like fucking like showing myself making a cup of coffee. Maybe, right. maybe you should. <laughs> yeah. It's some fucking POV coffee making. That's what the people want. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with like a Viking headdress on them. <laughs> you sure don't fucking want. Yeah. No, I fucking not. <laughs> So th this is Kevin, by the way. You, I'm the one you've been talking to, and yeah, I know. I think you guys follow each other too, though online as uh -huh. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, mm -hmm. I think that's how I found out about you was you were following Kevin beforehand. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and we're, we're already recording, so we can just keep rolling if you want to keep rolling because it all sounds good. All right, word. Yeah, sounds good to me. So where to start? Uh, coffee is a pretty good place Co to start. Coffee is a good place We're to start. We're all drinking coffee right now. We are drinking coffee. <laughs> so so how, yeah. when did you get so into coffee? Uh, you know, I, I always have been. I, I was a barista before I joined the army at a fucking Starbucks when nice. I was, when I was like a, <laughs> when I was like an 18 year old kid, you know? And that's when I started really getting into it. And then, you know, when, when we were deployed, I was always that one dude that always had like an air press or like. Some, some crazy fucking bag of coffee that I was always like trying to show to dudes in my squad or platoon, you know? Mm. And uh, so when I got out, kind of stood, you know, st stuck with with me and and I started like getting more into it and, and brewing coffee, finding out more about, you know, roasting processes and, and single origins and, and just coffees from all over the world. So, but th again, that's only a small part of the podcast that I do, you know? Coffee yeah. is like a, it's a, it's a part of the conversation but it's not, it's not the podcast, you know, mm -hmm. 
it's it's in its entirety and a lot of companies do get confused about that and they'll hit me up and they'll uh want me to like you know talk about their coffee or, or collaborate with them and i'll be like maybe you should listen to my podcast before we go out and do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i i've listened to quite a few episodes of yours now and it's good like i, I told you through uh dm was just you with nobody else just going it, it works it's it's pretty good I like it. And then I yeah. do, I like when you talk about the coffee and stuff too, because I'm kind of a, I'm a little bit of a coffee nerd as well. Not, not in as, into it as you are, but I'm a fan of good coffee. So it's kind of cool to hear you break that down too. And it's pretty awesome. Right. Yeah. The, uh, and, and again, the, with, with my podcast, it's not so much like, oh, it's this really offensive, like, you know, all I'm saying awful things, you know, it's nothing like that. It's, it's more so that the subjects I touch are touchy, you know, like I, uh, today I did, uh the capital riots mm. i did uh you know presidential election i talked a lot of a lot of politics which isn't every episode some of them are just straight up like military humor kind of kind of things you know but today was a little more uh you know serious yeah and, you know we i've done i've done things like like back <laughs> when when the uh george floyd incident happened like a week after that i was recording an episode on it you know mm -hmm. and so you can imagine how uh you know First of all, I have to have my facts straight. I have to thoroughly research what I'm talking about. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's again, where, where the, uh, the coffee is a part of the conversation. But then again, I also cover current events. And sometimes those current events aren't always fun. No. <laughs> They're not always uh, entertaining. No. And, you know, on yeah. the, that's true. Cause on this podcast, in the beginning, we kind of, we were trying to stay away from any political things or serious things in the beginning, but it's all, it's hard to do, especially today. There, that's what's going yeah. on, and and it's gonna come up in conversation. And I think, me personally, I was just too worried about either us or our guest offending someone who's listening, and then they wouldn't want to listen. And that was something I shouldn't have even been worrying about. Now I don't. We we let the conversation roll where it rolls, and people are gonna talk about what they're gonna talk about. And yeah, it's. I think that's more. That's healthier to just let people talk. Don't don't censor them down, you know? And I don't think anyone is going to come off as offensive relative to me opening my fucking mouth on this podcast anyway. <laughs> like, Actually, you two are kind of similar, just so you know, from hearing your podcast. No. And, and you're, you, you, you both have military backgrounds and all that, so it makes sense. Right. You, I think yeah. when, you, when, you, when you've been in for a while and, you know, been like legitimate deployments that you lose that facade that everyone carries around with them you have to be genuine because you've been stripped of everything. You know, you've been stripped right. down, you've been made humble, whether you want it to be or not, you know, by certain circumstances. And so now it's like, all you have left is your shedded skin. You know, you're genuine. So it's like if people either fucking like it or they don't, and they can right. kick rocks. If yeah. They don't, you know, and that's why, you know, in the, in the like intro to the podcast or the teaser episode, I, I say, uh, you know, if, if you don't like the podcast, you know, it's a podcast, not a dick. Don't take it so hard. Yeah, you know, cause that's, that's what it is, man. But, um, you know, when I, when I initially started doing it, I, uh, I had just finished, let's see, I was medevac from Afghanistan in 2018 and I started the podcast in 2019 because I was at a WTB for a year, uh, warrior transition battalion. So mm -hmm. kind of like a hospital unit. Uh, when I got out, I was like, well, shit, what do I do now? So uh, I kind of had a plan when I got out and I, uh, I, uh, started being a full-time student, like literally the day after I got my uh, medical retirement. So mm -hmm. it was like what the, literally the day after I took my uniform off, 
I had a backpack on and I was at a school and I was like, well, I still need to like do something else. Like this can't be it. Yeah. <laughs> so I started doing the podcast kind of as like a, uh, for me, it was more a, uh, I don't know, an emotional outlet, sort of like therapy for me. Cause obviously, you know, when you end your military career, uh, you know, it's, it's weird, you know, you're indoctrinated over, you know, when you first join and the military is all, you know, for, for such a long you know period of time. So when you get out and kind of toss to the wind, it's like, okay, what do I do now? You know, what's my purpose? Cause I'm not an NCO anymore. I'm not like, you know, I was an infantry man. I'm not kicking indoors. I'm not, I'm not doing anything like that anymore. So what do I do? So that's yeah. how the podcast kind of came about. How, how long have you been doing the podcast now? Well, second, how long have you been doing the podcast now? Uh, so I, I started doing it like a year, year and a half ago. I, when it first started, I actually, I had a co-host. I, I tried it with a co-host. It was another uh, guy that was in the army. And, you know, I kind of just found out that he and I had fundamentally different beliefs. The podcast, you could tell it was like being pulled in two different directions. Mm-hmm. Episodes didn't quite make sense. And I was kind of like, you know, I can do this by myself. Uh, in addition to that, people were also like, yo, your co-host voice sucks. <laughs> which is like, you know when you can when you can't see a face you know the voice is all you got yeah so, yeah, yeah you know that's what that's what i got told and i you know i kind of just ran with that uh the podcast was still going under degenerate drinking coffee uh i ended up stopping it uh for maybe like five or six months and then i kicked it back up again uh, with just myself and better equipment more structured uh episodes better quality coffee better quality like liquor so yeah. things like that i kind of just i put i put money into it basically yeah. Right. yeah yeah no quality is is good to have you, you have a self of or a sense of self-appreciation too you know um yeah everything you do i mean that's the whole fundamentalist idea of you know having your uniform or your hair a certain way it's you know having mm-hmm. a high standard of yourself so that you do things a, a proficient way that make you feel confident because if you're confident you'll perform well you know and Yes. All right. Those subtleties, the Freudian subtleties of uh, military indoctrination, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And those are some great things like, leave, you know, leaving the army. Uh, that was, that was one thing that, that stuck with me. It's like, yeah, I've got a lot of really bad experiences from deployments, but I've also got this, like this, this amount of discipline instilled in me that I can carry and like bring to, you know, bring the table to whatever I do. Like yeah. right now I'm in school uh, as a psychology major. And then, the next move is to use my voc rehab and, and get a master's in clinical counseling. And then after that, get a PsyD and then start working with post-combat veterans. That's, mm-hmm. that's my goal. Mm. But all of that takes discipline. And before I joined the army, like I was, I was a fucking shithead, man. I wasn't a good, I wasn't a good dude. I was, uh, I was like trying to start a metal band and like, we weren't that good, but I thought we were good. And like, I was a <laughs> punk, man. Like right. I, I, I didn't have uh, any discipline. I, I was, just kind of like, you know, run around wild. And, and now after being out, you know, obviously there's some things during my military experience that I look back on. I'm like, yeah, man, that was, that was some pretty awful stuff. Or like, you know, you always had that one leader in a unit who were like, dude, this guy's a piece of shit. He wouldn't last a second in the real world. Yeah. Uh, so you have those negative experiences, but, but, you know, you still come out of it. I, I think a better person, uh, at least, at least I did. I mean, I've got some, some things that I, I carried back from you know, Africa, Iraq, Afghanistan that like have stuck with me and like I'm in therapy and like, you know, I go to hospitals pretty regularly to deal with, but you know, I, I still have, uh, I don't know that, that drive, you know what I mean? That, um, that no quit kind of mentality of, 
you know, that this is my, this is my option. You know, I can either lay down and give up or I can like make something of my life. So that's kind of what's going on with the podcast and what I have going on with like my career plan and all that kind of shit. Yeah. And plus the negative, I mean, that's the thing that comes out of suffering, right? You find, when you find purpose and meaning in suffering, right? And suffering, loving others and doing for others, all that. But I found through suffering gave me a drive to not be mediocre. You know, like there's a difference between like I've been in Iraq and Afghanistan too, like having shitty deployments versus the guys you see that are like right next to you, like guys I went to sniper school with, right? They're legit guys, but they only served like on Balad or they're on calf. And they're not right. the same kind of motherfuckers. They are not ass right. kickers. They get out and they're mediocre because they didn't suffer. They they got fucking subway every day. You know what I mean? Um, right. And so, yeah, all those negatives, like you were saying, those negatives are really positives. You know, they, they on the other side of that coin, there's something to take out of that. And, you know, I've had to yeah. learn. I've had to learn that, you know. Yeah, it's a hard thing. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of buddies about this, but, you know, when people get out, they also kind of make the military their their uh, only personality yeah that's it you know that and it's and it's strange because when you think about it some guys only do the bare minimum they do like the three or four year contract but that becomes their personality for the next however long they live Six like 70 years. 75 years yeah. yeah it's 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 who they are they're no longer uh you know like they're no longer nick they're you know I, i'm a former fucking nco that was an infantryman in the army and that's my only fucking personality like, mm-hmm. you know that's and that's what happens to a lot of these guys and it, and it really does suck because i've seen a lot of really good dudes just get stuck in that mentality of that's who i was that's the only thing i know anymore uh and i'm no longer that so they they lay down and they quit and that's oh, that's kind of yeah. something i've had to deal with uh over the past like well well since i got out it's a lot of my buddies that were in and went on deployments and they, and they, as they get out, they'll hit me up and they kind of just don't have a clue of like, Hey, what, like what, where do I go in life now? <laughs> you know, what do I, what do I do with myself? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, some of them obviously have to navigate the VA and they need help with that, which is already a task in itself. Honestly, right. uh, you, uh, I, w- I would rather, uh, experience like, idf within 25 meters then deal with the va sometimes you know what i mean yeah because it's like <laughs> the the va in, in itself is a is a beast and a lot of guys don't know how to navigate that and get the help they need so yeah and a lot uh, of times that they to seek help you have to look inside yourself and see people immediately around you like if they're not going to push you to be better they should be i don't need someone being like oh it's cool like you're all right like yeah you should take some time off you know you just got out like no i need someone to be like hey motherfucker i need the father mentality not the mother nurturing mentality you know get the fuck right. up and get in the gym or go do something to be productive and get something to obsess for obsess about because right. i'm tired of seeing motherfuckers being getting out like oh i was awesome i was a pt stud or i was an nco and shit like cool i see you wearing fucking oversized jeans old combat boots and you let yourself go. So you're not that motherfucker anymore. Don't rely on your younger self to be your best version of yourself. The best version of yourself should be the one every day. So keep pushing forward and live by that model. Don't just talk about how you used to be cool. You know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's a big thing. Like not through everybody, but I've seen a lot, a lot more than I thought I would, you know? Yeah. yeah, just I think that applies to more more than just the military, you know, guys that get out as well. That's 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 kind of something universal in our society right now. It's like yeah, yeah. A lot, 
you know, I'm male specifically, you know, there's kind of been this, like, I don't know, this, this like loss of masculinity. And I see it a lot. It's like being masculine isn't a thing anymore. Chivalry isn't like I talked about today on my podcast, but chivalry isn't dead because, you know, dudes aren't chivalrous anymore. It's because it's not something that, you know, society wants to see anymore. Right. Opening well, holding that door open for someone is now kind of, it can be interpreted as offensive, but you know, yeah. that, uh, <laughs> that, that masculine sort of, uh, average American male, it's not, it's not something that's celebrated, uh, anymore in society, but on the opposite side of the coin. Now here's, here's something that, you know, I will say that kind of goes against that average American masculine male sort of deal, uh, getting help and, you know, like reaching out when, when there's a mental health issue, uh, things like that, like, uh, when it comes to like males, uh, fucking crying, anything like up that alleyway, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of like viewed in a negative light. And I see that happen a lot w- with dudes. It's like, you know, you could, I think there needs to be a balance of both. Like you can still be that, that like tough fucking dude, but at times like drop that fucking facade and be like, okay, I, I need to get help, which is, which is what I did, uh, when, when I initially got out of the army and it was, it was definitely a difficult thing to do. Um, but yeah, yeah, I definitely think that there has been a, uh, a, a decline in masculinity. Yeah. Uh, and I think masculinity, you know, some traits of mas- proper masculinity are humility and, um, you know, sense of self-security. Like, it's okay if I can cry in front of people because I am, se- I am secure with myself, right? It's when guys mm-hmm. are insecure and not don't believe in themselves that they put the facade on. Oh, I can't cry. You know, I'm going to lift my truck up six more inches. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> wrong fucking answer because now you're burying shit. You're suppressing yeah. the way you're supposed to be feeling. And then someday it's going to bite you in the ass, you know. Um, and it gets because they weren't educated on that. No one's like, hey, part, right. part of being a man is being able to do these things. And still be able right. to provide for yourself, you know, carry yourself some fucking integrity, you know, and self-respect. Like, you're just not taught that anymore. We're not taught. Thomas and Lop- uh, two podcasts ago with Spencer. Like, it's not about character development anymore. It's about attaching yourself to fucking political and sociological issues. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, we should talk about global warming as first graders, not fucking character development anymore. And right, so we're all lost. We're like, well, we saw on this movie that to be a man, you have to be really buff on steroids, drive a massive truck, and try to fuck women. So, like, cool. Yeah, that's what we think masculinity is. You know. Right. And it's false, you know. I think too, mm-hmm. like when it comes to like the big jack dude who does have a big truck, you, you'll find those too that they have an emotional side. They're fuck yeah, they're they're a, a man, and yeah. they, they they have that look to them too. But they can be emotionally for looking like a cheese ball motherfucker, Roger, like the guy that was dating JWoww in the Jersey Shore. <laughs> Jersey <laughs> cool ass dude, man. <laughs> Roger was cool. Like he was a man. Like, yeah, you can you can look like a total douchebag, but still be have the character of yeah. a, good, a good fucking dude. But I, I think you're right about you know, we've talked like you said, we've talked about this before, but guys put on a front to show how badass they are, how manly they are. And usually most of the time they've got something fucked up. Something's going on and they're, they're emotionally fucked. They're mentally fucked usually. And they're putting on this front to show the world. Like I'm a tough guy. Don't fuck with me. And I mean, even some guys tattoos and stuff, which we all have tattoos. Yeah. But that's, that's armor you put on a little bit, you know? And that's the thing too, is when you see that guy in public, 
it's our initial reaction to fight fire with fire. Yeah. Instead of understanding. You see that happening and it should be like, you know what? Back the fuck off. Don't be aggressive towards him. Maybe he needs a friend. Maybe mm-hmm. he feels like he's singled out. Maybe because of the way he looks, someone beat the fuck out of him last time he was down here and now his armor's up, right? Like, mm-hmm. and some guys do get tattoos for that reason. You know, neck tattoos. Yeah. Like, I'm soft on the inside, but on the outside, <laughs> you know, like, cool, man. Like, yeah, face tattoos and shit, whatever, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. But yeah, I think, uh, and we have talked about this, is part of being a quote-unquote man is being able to be emotionally available to anybody, whether yeah. it's your wife, your kids, your friends your family, uh, to me, that's, that's a manly quality and being able to cry. Mm-hmm. It's all right to cry. And there's been a stigma and especially it sounds like in the military veteran community that you don't show emotion. And I think it's important for people to be able to do that because well, you're yeah. bottling shit up inside for so many years, people are going to blow up. Well, my counselor called it cause I told him about my experience, like not being able to cry when my children were born. And he was like, yeah, it's because it's you saw it's because you had seen the white elephant first, you know, going back to the Hannibal, you know, going back way to that war back. Um, when was that? I'm trying to remember what year that was. Anyway, but when you saw the white elephant, it means you've seen war, you've seen combat. Now your amygdala is fucked up, and now your body, or I mean, excuse me, your brain has shut off these parts um, associated more with like you know empathy and love because you don't need those to survive. And so now it was shut off to you. So after you've seen the white elephant, you know, per se, you experience this life through different set of eyes, essentially, until you can unfuck that, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's, it's, so some of it's not, some of it's more subconscious than it is conscious. Like, oh, I gotta be a man. Some of that's just shut off. And you're kind of helpless to it, you know, to your own fucking brain, you know? Sucks. Right. Yeah, I mean, there is a a, definitely a negative stigma for it, though. And, And like I said, especially with men reaching out for help and you know, it's, this isn't just the military. It, it, it extends out in the civilian world. But, but, you know, when I was in the military going to like after Iraq was the first time I went to behavioral health, which is like therapy in the military. Mm-hmm. And I remember everyone in my unit just looked at me like this piece of shit, mm-hmm. like this piece of shit. Like, how dare he go and get fucking help? You know, because I was having panic attacks for the first time. And that was after getting back from Iraq. And I, you know, couldn't explain them. It, it was a very weird feeling, you know. Uh, anyone who's had a panic attack knows it's like everything seems to be like it's a, it's a claustrophobic feeling your heart rate goes up, uh, you, you, you lose minor muscle movements. It's, it's a, it's a very scary feeling. So, uh, when I, when I started experiencing those and, and reach out to get help, I noticed, dude, my, my NCOs are looking at me like I'm a piece of shit. My, the dudes in my unit are looking like me, looking at me like I'm a piece of shit. It was a really hard thing to, you know, work through. And they, you know, that, that kind of a uh, negative stigma that went with it and the way that people viewed me for, for going to counseling, you know, it was a, uh, it was, it made things a lot worse than they were. Um, but I got through them cause I, I had to, you know, I was becoming an NCO at the time. Uh, I think I just picked up my corporal stripes and like I was becoming a, a an E5, a Sergeant. So, you know, I was, I was moving up, so I had to get through it. Um, and I eventually did. And then I went to Afghanistan and then, you know, that's when, I experienced my first real bout with the, with the actual like major battle. Uh, you know, we had an insider attack when I was in Afghanistan. Uh, long story short, yeah, people died, uh, people got wounded, and uh, you know that was kind of like a culminating like point for me. Uh, I had uh, a seizure. I dropped. I had to get uh, a medevac from. We were we were embedded with an Afghan unit. I, I got medevac back to CAF, uh, and when I was in CAF, I you know people were kind of like looking at me like, dude. 
what is wrong with this guy? And I told my leaders like, Hey man, like we're embedded with an Afghan unit and I, I'm in charge of like a, uh, a PST or a personal security detachment team, you know? So I don't really have the option of being out there when I'm not mentally 100%. Like I need to, I need to be here and be getting help. And again, kind of experience that, uh, that like negative sort of viewpoint, the same thing I experienced after Iraq, people looked at me like, dude, this guy, are you serious? Like this guy needs help. This guy really needs help. Like you gotta be kidding me, you know? Right. And, and it can be that way. Uh, yeah. It's, it's all the way back. Yeah. This is like the hyper-masculine environment, you know? So anything yeah. that strays away from that is it's deviant in some way, you know? Right. But it, in a way, it may, like it does make sense though, because like in that kind of line of work, you you have to be mentally one hundred percent. You know, you mm-hmm. you can't go on mission if you're not one hundred percent there. And that's something I had to recognize and tell, you know, the, the leaders that were above me, like, hey man, I'm not one hundred percent mentally there. Like, you know, I uh, I remember before I deployed, I and you know, this is something you probably shouldn't do, but <laughs> I told the families of the the you know kids that were under me. Like, hey, your your sons are going to be all right. They're coming back. You know, there's nothing going on. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be 100 fine. I promise you. I'm not gonna let anything bad happen to them. You know. So <laughs> after that insider attack and and you know that that uh like episode I had, I was like, shit, man. I I can't just like continue to act like I'm fine and then endanger these guys and go back on the word that I gave to their parents. Like that would be that'd be fucked up. <laughs> I can't do that. So admitting that I needed help was a, was a huge deal at the time. Um, and you know, it's something I I had to, I had to work through. And again, I I spent a year in a, uh, you know, I went through intensive outpatient therapy. I was in inpatient for a while. It was a really big deal. Um, and, and I'm still going through, uh, you know, biweekly treatment, you know, therapy, psychiatrist, all that just kind of working through my issues, but you know, that recognition that it's okay to say you need help. <laughs> it, it is a really hard thing to do. Mm. It's just something, it's something I kind of bring up on the podcast a lot. I, I drop it in there a lot, but um, you know, I, I, one of my biggest things, one of my biggest purposes for doing the podcast now, because remember before it was a, it was more an emotional, like mental outlet for me. Now it's kind of like, I'm reaching out to other people that feel like they need help uh, and letting them know like, Hey man, it's, it's cool. <laughs> you yeah, can mm-hmm. talk, you can, you can, uh, you can let it out. Cause you know, even, uh, and I openly invite people to message me, you know, I can't be the person that maybe help them through their issues. I'm not qualified for that, but I'm still like, you know, someone that can talk to them and, you know, be, be somewhere on the same page that they are and help them get through their shit. But, I think that's important for, for people to see, a guy who a guy like you or like Kevin or anybody that's that can admit they've had some issues. They're trying to work through those fucking issues and it's okay. And so there might be somebody out there that's listening to your podcast that they're going through some shit and they were in the same place you were in, you know, and they feel like it's not okay to get help. But if they hear you talk about that, or if they hear us talk about that on here, we've talked about it multiple times because Kevin, Kevin's therapy and stuff as well. Hopefully, they hear that and it gives them the juice to go and go get help if they need it and not feel like it's the wrong thing to do, you know? Right. Yeah. That's the most gratifying like thing about it. Like that's, 
from day one, I said, the second this podcast continues to stop helping people, uh, I'm, you know, I'm done with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that that's, that's how I view my podcast now is it's not about me anymore. Uh, it's about the people listening. Cause I have people that hit me up. You know, I have people that say like, Hey, I was in the same area at one point and I went through a similar situation, shit like that, you know, happens more regularly than I thought it would, you know, the, the armies and you know, the military in general, is just a small, it's, it's big, but it's a small family. You run into like really weird situations like that. Like the area I was in was really small. Uh, a lot of people don't deploy there uh, because it's not a base. You know, it's, you get embedded with an Afghan unit. That's, that's where I was. And I've heard, I've talked to a lot of people that somehow ended up in that place and they lost dudes there and mm -hmm. they've reached out and messaged me. And it's, it's, it is, uh, again, I, I don't, I don't think I necessarily have a, a, any sort of a religious belief, but it, it is something that, you know, I, I do view as like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's very, um, I don't know, uncommon or, or it's very almost meant to be that these certain people somehow find my podcast and then listen to my story and then reach out to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like what are the odds? <laughs> mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I, I'm going to school right now too at Boise state and I meet veterans all the time there. And I've met I mean, one, one guy I met one time. He's like, talking about it. And I was like, Oh yeah, dude, I was, you know, horn of Panjway, dude. Like, uh, Cop two look on. He's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know the fuck that was, dude. Like, how the hell do you know where that was? Like, it was a pot field we put a little cop on, dude. Like, how the fuck do you know? And he was like, Oh, we were the ones that went in there, and, like, tore it down in 2012 or 13 or whatever. I was like, Jesus Christ, that's like, small world. And he's just there's a student at BSU, you know. Like, yeah, you're right. It's it's like the synchronicity, you know. Things line up and you meet certain people. And like, out of what 325 million people in the U.S. You happen to just run into someone who's like in the same place you were, you know, it's, it's crazy. It does. It, it blows my mind every day. I mean, that kind of shit also happened when I was still, when I was in the military too, I would be in like random combat zones and I'd run into people that were like, like, I, I never thought I would see again. Like I, what was funny is I ran into every single one of my drill sergeants from basic training, but in different combat zones and then. <laughs> three of them I met as an NCO myself, you know, so that was an even bigger, like what the fuck moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cause they, I mean, they remembered me. I was a, like I said, I was a, I was a piece of shit before I joined the army. So it was a lot of a, I, I I'm really sorry to those guys that had to like indoctrinate me. Cause that was, <laughs> that was, uh, you know, when basic was still fun and you, you know, you'd get swung on or smoke, you get the dog shit smoked out of you. So yeah. they, uh, you know, I spent a majority of my time pushing and throwing up, uh, but it was great. It was great. Cause you know, I turned out better for it. And when I got to my first unit, uh, you know, I, I did, this is another thing. I, I deployed three weeks after graduating basic training. I showed up to the first infantry division three weeks after graduating basic. And my unit leadership was like, Hey man, um, yeah, we're deploying in like three weeks. So just, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't unpack. You need to go to like RFI and get your shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. I, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, my, my team leaders had a handful of me, but yeah. looking back on it, I'm best friends with them now, but they would fuck me up. I'm talking like, it didn't matter that we were in Africa, man. Like they'd find a shack or something and just haze the shit out of me. And it was great. It was wonderful. Not at the time. It was awful at the time, <laughs> but looking back on it now, it's like, Man, I am so glad that that dude, you know, <laughs> trained me the way he did. 
because again, that, that does add to the mental toughness factor. You know, if I wouldn't have had to have experienced shit like that, then I probably would be a, you know, a, I don't want to say softer, but a, definitely a, a less mentally tough uh, human being. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I liked it. I had, I think three, maybe three and a half months after I got out of the basic before I deployed like in 2008 to Iraq. And those three months were fucking awful. They were awful. And it got so much better as soon as he deployed. It was like, all right, he's fucking mm-hmm. squared away. He's doing his job. We're like giving him more slack. Like, but those three months, you're just like, you're just the fucking dumb private dude. And you're just getting fucked up. Like you're elevating your feet off of other people's faces. Like whatever. There's anything they can find to put your fucking feet on to do push ups. Like <laughs> that sucked. Like doing like doing fucking, uh, unloading packing lists, but on top of like, who was it? Like, uh, I can't remember the hill, like China Ridge or something. I can't remember. Or China Hill. I got on post. It's like, yeah, take all of your fucking shit. Run up this motherfucking hill with it. We're going to do a packing list on there. If anything's fucked up, we're running back down and running back up again. Like, God damn, dude, this sucks. Like, it builds character for sure. But I just remember deploying and being like, oh, this is so much better. <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to be deployed. Was, but I, I got lucky, man. My, I, uh, that unit I showed up to right after basic, it shut down the second we got back. So that was 4th Brigade at 1st ID. Oh. I was in a unit called 216. Uh, and we shut down literally right after getting back. So at this point, I'm a PFC with a deployment patch that's going to, at that point, I went to the 101st Airborne Division. Uh, fucking showed up there as a as a PFC with a deployment patch. And P- everyone already looked at me like, who's this piece of shit? Because it looked like I got demoted you yeah. know, at some point. So <laughs> I'm showing up to this new unit of PFC with a deployment patch and in air assault school immediately. Cause you go there like right after arriving mm-hmm. your unit just fucking sends you there. And that was the first thing my, uh, my first Sergeant platoon Sergeant said to me, like they had me fucking stand there. Like, what the fuck did you do? Like, dude, like are you, you gotta be a piece of shit. Like, what did you do dog? And I was like, <laughs> nothing. My unit, my unit just shut down. And then, uh, shortly after that we went to Iraq. So it was like, bam, another deployment, like, it was awesome. And then I got back and then I found out there was another unit going to Afghanistan. And I was like, all right, well now I'm actually coming up on a reenlistment window. So I went and did that. And then the second I got to the new unit, it was like a two week period. And then bam, I was in Afghanistan. So it was like back to back deployments. Cause I did find out that I hated fucking garrison. I hated being stateside in the army. It was mm-hmm. the worst. <laughs> so yeah. any opportunity I could get to uh, deploy, I was like, fucking, I don't care where we're going, bro. Send me. I would rather, I would rather, you know, be shitting in bags and, uh, you know, sleeping in, in some shitty ass fucking structure than, than, than being back here and doing training exercises over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. How, how long were you in the army? I was only in for, uh, six years. And in that six year period, I deployed, uh, three times. So that was what a deployment every like year mm. and a half. So it worked out. I guess in a way, in a way it did. Like I said, that last deployment was the, that was kind of the big one. That's when shit stopped being fun. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. um, that was a, that was a really rough one. And where I ended up was with a, with a new unit that, you know, the army had just recently stood up and, you know, I kind of noticed the second we got in country, like dude, these guys are, they don't know their shit. They're not qualified for this mission. I don't know why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to be their fucking, you know, personal security detachment. And I was like, this is, this is fucked from the start. And we got in country and a lot of my, uh, security advice was 
being ignored. You know, I kept noticing a lot of shifts in the way that ANA were uh, acting. And, you know, I brought it up and uh, just got kind of told anytime a significant event happened, like, hey, man, don't worry. It's, it's, it's whatever. Like, you know, you're reading into it. Mm. Uh, and then we had an insider attack that, you know, ended up killing one of my dudes and then uh, wounding two. And that was kind of like, that, I think that that's, that was the moment the reason I kind of lost my shit was because I saw this coming for at this point, it was like six months leading up to this point. And I was saying it constantly because, you know, as a, as a PSD, I'm not sitting in the fucking meetings, drinking chai and chilling with the higher ups and all that shit. Like I'm, I'm fucking working with the, uh, the Afghans. And again, we were embedded with them. So I'm living with them. I'm, I'm fucking eating the same food they're eating, you know, uh, I'm doing everything with them. So, when, when that moment kind of happened, I think that's, that's what kind of made it so much more devastating was the fact that I, in my mind and still today, I think it was, it was so preventable, preventable because I kept bringing up the, uh, you know, security advice over and over again. It was kind of just ignored. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, years later, like literally the next group that replaced us, uh, a few guys ended up dying, same spot, same way. Uh, so another, another, uh, insider threat. So, Damn. um, yeah, so definitely, uh, <laughs> not, not a fun deployment, but that's how, that's how it ended up ending. And then, uh, you know, I, I had a few injuries myself from, from my time overseas and then, uh, ended up medically retiring after that. Hmm. So and, you, uh, are you from, are you from Georgia originally, or is that just where you ended up or no, I'm actually, so I'm actually from Atlanta. And I, I ended up retiring uh, out of Fort Benning and I just ended up staying down here because I don't know if you guys have ever been to Atlanta before. Yeah. Um, it's fucking hell. Yeah. Like it's really hard to get around. Now it's turning into LA. So I thought about it and I was like, man, I don't want to be back up in Atlanta. Like that's too much for me to fucking deal with at this point. I was already going to school down here. Um, I, w- I was enrolled in online classes at least when I was in the WTB. So I ended up uh, just staying down here and, uh, you know, it ended up working out because, hmm. uh, you know, this area is, again, it's just being completely thrown back in the civilian world. I knew that wasn't going to be healthy. So, you know, still having, you know, the military base nearby is actually pretty convenient and it, it is kind of therapeutic in a way because a lot of the people that I am friends with down here, are, you know, dudes I actually served with that are here going to schools or they're fucking, you know, doing their drill sergeant uh, time or, you know, they're doing shit like that. So I get to run into my old buddies mm-hmm. <laughs> and talk to them. You know, I just have a beard and they don't. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. I think that's important to whether it's getting out of the military or just in life in general to have people you can fall back on or people you can see or people you can talk to. And that's, that's kind of cool. You stayed in that area where you can see guys that, have been through some of maybe the same shit you've been through and you can relate with. Cause like you said, getting thrown back into the civilian world in your hometown probably would have fucked you up a little bit. I would imagine. Oh yeah. And so having those, oh, yeah. those Especially guys around Atlanta. Nice. I know. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta's too much. Kevin ended up coming back to his hometown. I don't know how long after you got out. Dude, I, 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 I came back before I even ETS, dude. I had like 60 days. Plus, so they paid me for some of my as much leave as I could. I took sixty days terminal, and so I ETS. Oh, fucking, I really 
I was in five years. So it was like January 2013. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I couldn't imagine going back to a big city like Atlanta. That'd be nuts. Mm. Like, I went there once because, like, yeah. like I don't remember if it was like, ugh, fuck. It was sniper school or ranger school. Anyway, I was coming back home and we got really fucked up and went to a strip club. And then we missed our alarm. And then we were so drunk when we got to the airport. We were like, we got to eat. And then because we ate, like, right next to the terminal we were getting on, we missed our flight. <laughs> so we had to, like, find some. We had, like, drunk, call some shuttle and take the shuttle to Atlanta. And then we were, like, walking around trying to figure out where the fuck we were going, dude. And we somehow made our f- made the connecting flight because our flight was going from Columbus to Atlanta, luckily, before we went back to Alaska. Or yeah. Seattle, then Alaska. And so... We somehow made that fucking flight in Atlanta, dude. I don't know how. We were still we were still drunk when we got there. I don't remember. I don't even remember the van ride, but yeah, Esmer, it was nuts going through Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's bad. And you know, the thing that another reason that I didn't go back is you know I talked about panic attacks before. I have them pretty pretty regularly yeah. now. So and that's being down in. Yeah, I mean, if you've been to Columbus, you know it's small, man. There's not much going on. Yeah. So if I'm having fucking daily panic attacks down here. Imagine me in Atlanta. I wouldn't leave my my room. You know, I would be because <laughs> there's shit going on everywhere. You know, well, you never know. Uh, like th- like this year, the first one of like a long string of them this year. Before I was like hospitalized, I was at Lowe's. I was at Lowe's looking for some shit, and I got vertigo, and then it just kicked in, and I was fucked. Um, yeah, and like the third one I had uh, was like in China, essentially. So I ended up. I thought I was having a heart attack, so I called like nine one one, and they came and ran an EKG, and they're like, "Yeah, it's looks doesn't look good," you know. At least they put mm-hmm. put up red flags, so like they took me to the hospital. But no, yeah. the, the the cardiologist was like, "No, dude, like your heart, like you have an extreme heart, dude. Like you're you need to be doing intense shit. Your heart can withstand a lot. It's like it's not yeah. your fucking heart." He's like, "You need to be on psychedelics." And I was like, "It's weird to hear like a yeah. doctor say that." He's like, you need to be fucking doing MDMA and shit. And I swear to God, it'll help you. You don't be taking those SSRIs and shit, you know. So it's really cool yeah. to hear a cardiologist telling me. I was like, all right, man, I'll, like, I'll look into it, you know. Mm-hmm. But as yeah, of, that's, as that's of, what I thought. But as of last night. I thought night, the same thing. As of last night, I got, I have a bunch of joints. I've got CBD, CBG. And then I've got a bunch of like, whatever they call flower buds. It's like essentially weed. It's all CBD and CBG stuff. You don't, right. you, don't, you don't have the real weed. We live in Idaho. That shit's illegal. Right. So <laughs> we got these joints and stuff I can smoke to see if they work a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not really, I'm not against like regular weed. I just, I know, I think it's uh, Indica maybe or I don't remember which ones they are, but one of them, the one that picks you up just puts me straight into a panic attack. So I'm terrified yeah, of smoking sativas. weed. Yeah, sativa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I hear you, man. I that's what I thought too. I had to go to a cardiologist, and they did find, uh, you know, they did find something going on with my heart. But they were like, "Yeah, this this isn't like you're not having heart attacks when you're having these panic attacks. It's a fucking panic attack." And I was like, "Yeah, cool. Like that's good to know. My heart's not fucking failing. Like, but that still kind of sucks." And I thought the same thing. Um, it, it's ironic you said the the psychedelic thing because that was like the advice I got from people was <laughs> like. You just need to go on a mushroom trip, you know? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, and I agree. I think I, I actually did an episode on uh, psychedelics and that, I mean, they, they have some really 
positive results, especially for guys that, you know, are, are doing their startups, entrepreneurs that don't, don't, don't know what direction they're going in, uh, post-combat mm-hmm. veterans, things like that. They always come out of these trips, you know, a little bit better, you know, with a little, little clear direction uh, of where they're going with the CBD stuff as well. I had a company in uh, San Diego. They, uh, they're another veteran owned company. They're called wind and sea. They, uh, they, they sent me out. I think they're, I think they're all Marines. I think they're, they're all, uh, they, they might be force recon guys. Anyway, they sent me some of their coffee and it's CBD infused coffee beans. So oh. I was like, fuck yeah. Like, let's go. You know, <laughs> so I started drinking some of that. Um, and CBD definitely is one of those things that it's, it's more, I think a long-term thing. Like you need to regularly right. take that like any other supplement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's uh there's trips. However, no, those are like <laughs> when you take them, that that affects your fucking mental state for the next uh however however long. <laughs> uh, you know that that's uh one thing I, I've talked about before, especially about uh, hallucinogenics, is like you know sometimes that bad trip, which is what a lot of people with you know trauma experience. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that bad trip is what they need because it it does bring a lot of that bullshit that's that's kind of like buried down and brings it up into the light and they can kind of look at it and be like, Oh fuck. Like, you know, that, that is something I need to work with and they have a clear direction of what to do and, and, uh, you know, how to deal with it. So, yeah. And sometimes you don't realize what it is you've suppressed. You just know, like I'm drinking every night because something's not right. And sometimes, yeah, it might give you the answer. It just pops up and it terrifies you. And you're like, Oh, that's what I wasn't dealing with. I'm going to unpack some bullshit. You've been been hiding deep down. Oh fuck, man. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what my panic attacks did for me. I was like, man, something's not right. You know, like, you know, just I've, I've suppressed too much stuff for too long and it's just all coming back up and it's just eating my fucking soul, you know? Yeah. That's and, something yeah. I, I didn't know. I've, I never had experience with panic attacks or anxiety my whole life. I was fine. I mean, and I haven't had traumatic experiences. Um, and then dealing with it with my, my friends like Kevin or my wife who has anxiety stuff happen. Uh, I've kind of, I understand it a little more. And I mean, there was times where Kevin would have one and, and like one night I went and picked him up from the VA and like, I don't know what the fuck's mm-hmm. going on, but it's like, I'm just going to be there for my friend. I don't know yeah. what he's going through. Uh, my wife kind of same thing. She's had some panic attacks and anxiety and stuff like that. And she's pretty leveled out now. She's doing really well, but I never dealt with it. I had talked about this on a previous episode and Maybe I'm just a bitch, but when the whole COVID thing started, I was so anxious about what was going to happen. I think a lot of people were because we didn't know, but I started to get this anxiety I'd never had ever. And I started having these little mini panic attacks and I didn't know what was happening. Same thing, heart fluttering. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And I'm overweight. So I'm like, shit, I'm having a heart attack or whatever. And I think it was Kevin that explained to me, dude, you're having a panic attack is what that is. And I didn't realize that's what it was. And they were never severe, like never crippling or anything. But I would just mm-hmm. randomly get it only for like a month or two. I would mm-hmm. get them. And and that hasn't happened in months. I don't, And I don't know what it was about. It. Maybe it was just too much going on in my head. I, I, I don't know. But they're still, not, yeah, not yeah. fun. I still think you did good at managing it. Because considering the, the amount of people that during this COVID shutdown got put on SSRIs and Xanax and other shit that you didn't have to do that, it still shows like that yeah. you're pretty good at coping. Well, you know? like I said, it wasn't very severe. Um, and maybe I was being a little bit of, no, I don't know, but it was, 
like I remember that one day I, te- I texted Kevin, I was at work and I drive for a living and I'm driving a semi down the road and a little panic attack hit me and I don't know what triggered it. I don't know where it came from and it lasted for maybe an hour or something. And I, I was texting Kevin like, dude, I just had a fucking panic attack at work and I think you kind of, you know, you're like, just breathe, you know, whatever. And, mm-hmm. but I haven't had any problems in months now, so I don't know what that was about, uh, but I, it makes me feel even more for people who have severe anxiety or panic attacks because that shit's not fun yeah and you know i mean it does go to show as well you know humans are social creatures so when you put them in a situation like this where you know whole country's locked down you're gonna be fucking isolated you Mm -hmm. need to fucking stay in your room and not go out over a long period of time i mean that that just goes to show yeah that that causes a lot of really severe mental issues uh people people end up experiencing you know that's like Think, think about like, you know, seasonal depression. That's just a season. Yeah. People yeah. get fucking depression from that. Now imagine fucking, you know, we've taken, it's been a year and you're telling everyone like, okay, you need to isolate in your own home. It's no surprise that people start, you know, developing things like, you know, general, generalized anxiety, anxiety disorder and things like that, because it's, again, humans are social. We're meant to interact with others. And when we don't, it's when, you know, a lot of these issues begin to start. Um, and that's kind of what happened with me when I got out, I, I was, a really social guy. I was always out at the bars with the boys, you know, fucking partying, going, traveling, shit like that. Uh, now, uh, and I think this is also just because of the, uh, you know, the lockdown, but, you know, I've had to get prescribed uh, clonopin, you know, and take that throughout the fucking day as well. Because again, when panic attacks get severe enough, uh, you know, it can actually <laughs> have some severe effects on you. Uh, so, not now I have to take Klonopin to fucking, you know, dull me down and, mm. and, you know, uh, you know, kind of, uh, make those sharp edges, you know, a little less sharp. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah, totally. So what's it, what's it like there in Georgia with like all the COVID stuff or, or is it, are you guys like hardcore lockdown or how, how is it over there? It depends. I mean, like Columbus, man, like by Fort Benning, it's fucking, there, there's not, there, there was like a mandate and people just kind of fucking ignored it and said, I'm not doing that. Mm. Cause again, this, it's still like, it's South enough to where you know, people <laughs> are like, no, I'm not fucking doing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Businesses straight up put up on their doors. Like we refuse to comply with mm. these fucking orders. Uh, and I, and you know, I was still, I was still going out to eat and shit. I'm still like buying from these small businesses that kept their doors open and shit. Um, yeah. But you know, you go up, an hour and a half north to fucking Atlanta and it's a fucking like it's a complete different fucking show it's mm-hmm. like it's a ghost town and the people you do see are fucking you know they're masked up fucking gloved out fucking wearing goggles and face shields and shit so it's fucking different yeah um, you know I, and not not to get like fucking political with it but Columbus is fucking blue Atlanta's blue and Savannah's blue mm-hmm. and then the rest of the state was red uh it's not anymore actually yeah um yeah. but it, that's how it traditionally was so it's kind of like yeah this little trifecta you know uh so it, it made sense that you know you know when these uh mandates and compliance orders came out that you know atlanta complied you know yeah people in other areas didn't so um but no i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's like like i'm looking out my window now and people are out on walks going on runs uh, there's a restaurant underneath me. People are going to eat at the restaurant. So like, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's pretty normal. Not yeah. much changed. 
Yeah, they've they've mm-hmm. kept like restaurants and stuff are open here. They've been open the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did have like you know capacity limits and mask mandates and all that stuff. And all these businesses, man, they're just doing what they can to survive. Uh, they're they're saying you know where the masks are going to come in because we want to stay open. And yeah, there's some places that weren't so lucky. You know, they they either went out of business or um, are gonna go out of business, which yeah. is which is sad. And, um, that, you know, like they closed down gyms and stuff like that here. They're open now. Um, right. And I, I know some people who are gym owners who said, you know, even if they say we have to shut down again, we're not shutting down. We can't, we'll, we won't be here anymore if we have to do that. So right. I, I just, I just feel for a lot of these small business owners and there's a little, uh, Mexican restaurant that's a small business we love here, not far from where we live. And we've, mm-hmm. it's probably what a 30, 35 minute drive out mm-hmm. there. And we'll we'll go drive to pick up food from them. We just want to support them, you know. And they've yeah. And they're 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 following like every rule you're supposed to follow. And it's kind of funny because the town that they're in, the further you get out away from Boise, the further west you go, the less it seems like people care. <laughs> oh yeah. And yeah. and it's more rural and stuff out that direction. But this company, this little restaurant, they're fairly new and they were super successful early on, and then COVID hit. And they they followed every rule they had to to stay open, and they have stayed open. And they're still rolling, but it's yeah, it's a whole crazy thing. And hopefully, there's a light at the end of the tunnel somewhere, sometime. But yeah, that's that's why I I uh, I kind of saw the direction everything was going in last year, um, and that's why I decided with my company what I was going to do is start things that are mainly online like the podcast isn't the only thing i do you know i've got like a car page i've got a military like guns and and fucking you know shooting page i've got um you know a game stream things that you can all do at home just look at your fucking phone you know yeah and you know e-commerce as well branching out into that you know I, i started my llc and and that's what i've been working on and it has significantly improved over this year again because it's it's not something you have to go out and, and fucking like you, you're not getting something like tangible, you know, you're not getting an object from me unless you go to the store and like buy a shirt or a fucking coffee mug or something, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, you can do that from, from your home and that's kind of the, the direction I saw things going in. So that's why I started doing things like that. But yeah, it is no surprise that, you know, once you shut down <laughs> business, that business begins to fail and the economy mm-hmm. begins to, to crash. Um, yeah. You know, that's, it's something I brought up in the last episode I did was the $600 check thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, it's again, it's, it is your tax dollars. You're getting your tax money back. But, um, you know, at the same time, what's the reason for it? You know, we openly, the majority of America is openly saying, yeah, close our fucking doors. Let's go. You know, mm-hmm. let's, let's do this. Let's, let's fucking, you know, stop the fucking, let's, let's flatten the curve. Let's fucking shut our doors. Let's do it. And, you know, there's repercussions for that. You can't expect business to stop and then there be no, no consequences for it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, they're going to shut down. And that's, you know, what I think a lot of people are starting to realize now is, oh, wait, you mean businesses have to stay open for the economy to continue to grow <laughs> and like, yeah. for me to continue to make a buck? That's yeah. wild. And, and yeah. I, I get the people wanting to, you know, like you said, flatten the curve and all that stuff and wanting to do the right thing, whatever the right thing might be. Um, but if businesses aren't running, then they're not going to be there anymore. 
And that's, there's got to be a different way. And I am not a smart enough man to figure that way out, but there's got to be a way, whether it's testing people before they come in your business or whatever they have to do. There's, there's got to be something, right? you know, it's, and I think what you've done is pretty smart doing it online. And cause I mean, online shopping has gone up. Yeah. Big amount. Yeah, I actually just started doing my, my grocery shopping online as well. Um, I, mean, I, I think like, there's I'm, a lot of people that, and like I know my parents, they're they're a little older. They had never bought anything groceries online. Well, they've been doing that this whole time, and they'll probably never stop doing it now. Yeah, because they know how easy yeah. it is. We we do that at our house. Mm-hmm. Groceries show up to the front door, you know, and or you order them and you yeah. go, you can go pick them up as well. But it's I hate when people say the whole new normal thing, but there is going to be some changes, and it's a lot of it we're just going to have to get used to. And I think like like office spaces and stuff, that's going to be a thing of the past for a lot of businesses, I think, because everybody can sit like we are right now and have a uh, meaningful conversation and get work done, you know? Yep. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I just didn't, my, uh, I just did a semester a lot. It was the last semester. Um, it was pretty much completely online. Mm-hmm. I only had one class that I showed up to and it was only once a week. The rest of the week was online. So I guess the once of the week, in person thing was just like a to make sure you're like actually I don't I all know what it was for. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you know, everything everything was online and it was it's fucking weird because first of all, like some of these classes like I, I wanted to do in person. Like yeah. I was supposed to be like here writing skeletons and like studying fucking brain shit like that. So I was like, I need to be in person for this. I need to actually look at some of these things because they apply directly to the field that I'm going into. Uh, but, uh, you know, it didn't work out that way. And, and I was zoom meeting for, for every class. Yeah. Kevin, similar was, thing with him. Yeah. I didn't, so that I didn't have anything there. Yeah. It was all online. This semester start, starts tomorrow. They have one class that still says it's in person, which is interesting. Um, that might change. Yeah. So I, I have relativity that's online. Um, Digital and analog electronics, that's online. But my opt- physics optics, that says it's in person. And it's labs in person, too. So mm. that'll be interesting mm. to go to campus and, yeah, see how that's all working. Well, in the way shit changes so quickly, that could change by tomorrow, you know? Yeah, right. They it's, might just say, fuck it, stay home. It's insane. I know, like, I have, I have two kids and my older son, we decided before school even started, he was going to do it online 100%. He has a hard time with change. He likes a... He likes a steady thing in his life. So we just said, you know, let's do online because we don't want you going back and forth. And then my youngest, right. my youngest son, he's uh, in kindergarten and he's full time in, in school. He goes to the school still. They haven't had any issues, no cases that we have heard of. Um, and all the kids, man, they're wearing their masks. The teachers have their little face shields on and they're yeah. just doing whatever they can. And it's, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. But I'm glad he's in school because at that young of an age, I really think it's important to to have the social aspect and learn how other people do things in person. Cause when I was five, six years old, you couldn't have sat me in front of a computer all day. No Fuck fucking no. way. I don't even like to do it now. No. And right. so I think it's important for, I think it's important for kids to be in school, but like my older son, he's excelled online. So it's been, per, it's been good for him. But yeah, little one, yeah. He, he's full time going to the school and they make it work. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess we can yeah. we can wrap this up. Uh, I know Kevin Kevin's got some shit to do to get ready for school. So, yeah, 
but yeah, dude, we appreciate you coming and talking to us. This, this was cool. Uh, where can people find everything you do? Uh, so I don't, I don't know if you guys have, or if you guys use anchor anchor is my host. That's where I do my RSS, but, um, okay. anchor.fm, uh, backslash degenerates drinking coffee has a lot of platforms. Uh, the Instagram is degenerate drinking coffee. Uh, you can look up Facebook at Degenerates Drinking Coffee or go to the website and that has all the links for all the projects I do. And that's DegeneratesLTD.com. Um, that's where everything is, man. And I've got, you know, online store, um, podcast page on the Instagram and, you know, all these other places. So we're on Spotify, uh, you know, Google Podcasts, you know, pretty much all of them. Uh, not iTunes, though. iTunes doesn't seem to like me. Oh, so. Really? <laughs> they really do not like me, man. I remember it got taken off. And again, I, the podcast doesn't say anything too crazy. Like no I'm not fucking saying anything too insane. You guys have heard it, but I'm sure uh, there's more shit that's on there. I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> iTunes, yeah, iTunes fucking canceled me. So they don't like me too much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so don't go to iTunes looking for degenerate shrinking <laughs> coffee. Cause you will not find me there. Yeah. Wow. And you, you sell merch and stuff as well, right? On your website. Yeah, uh, DegeneratesLTD.com, and uh, 10% of those proceeds go to the uh, PTSD Foundation of America. Obviously, the rest of the money gets cycled into making new products. Not mm-hmm. like I'm not lining my pockets with this shit, because, again, the whole point of my project is, again, uh, it does help me, and it's, a uh, in, my, in my opinion, a healthy outlet, and I, that's why I create so many different forms of uh, content creation. It's a, it's a healthy outlet for people to just, you know, whatever appeals to them, cars, fucking guns, podcasts, uh, game streams, something they can go and just check out. And, you know, if they're feeling down, fucking hang out with the boys, you know, cause yeah. everyone that works, uh, in my company is, is a combat veteran, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they, they run these things. Like I'm not running the podcast while I'm streaming and running the car pay. like that. That's too much, you know? So I have, I have, uh, you know, veterans running these pages as well. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's something I, I mentioned to you when we were talking to each other online It's the merch thing we we kind of wanted to do something like that i'd like to sell some merch for this podcast to kind of help it continue to go so that's that's cool I'm, i want to talk to you more about that we'll talk uh through our our dms about that because i might need some pointers because i don't <laughs> know what the fuck i'm doing <laughs> that's kind of like the the story of uh this podcast is we don't know what the fuck we're doing but we're just trying to figure it out as we go so so yeah any- and I'd, I'd love to help with that and, and you know it i i listen to my my dad as I think all people should like when your dad gets some, gives you some advice, like probably take it. He's been around for a while. My dad, when I asked him about like, Hey, should I start doing merch? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he started a few businesses in his day and he was like, well, first thing you need to think about is like, do you have the content is the content there? Are you producing something that people want? And then start looking into like, do you want to start selling things? Yeah. And why do you want to sell it? And is it something people would actually find useful? Mm-hmm. So, you know, but yeah, I'll definitely, I, I would love to help as much as I can with that. Again, I'm still figuring out as well. So, yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> we're, we're all, we're all, we're all finding our way in this, in this, uh, you know, thing. So that's a fact. And I'm not, I'm never too proud to ask somebody who knows more about something than me for help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've, yeah, I mean, that's, and I think that's the way it should be, man. If people can help each other out, why not? Right. But, all right. Cool, man. Well, all right. I appreciate it. You guys. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Yeah, we'll man. talk to you later. Later. All right. See you.